so we're covering a bit about like mortgage deferrals and how that's built up over the last month or yeah. so. So obviously there's the lockdown that's in, ongoing in Sydney uh, that's now extended up to Newcastle up your way. So um, mm-hmm. a bit of stats that banks have deferred repayments on four th- uh, 14,500 mortgages and yeah. more than 600 business loans since July mm-hmm. 8th. So they're basically yeah. putting those loans on hold saying mm-hmm. you just don't have to make repayments right now and we'll sort it out down the line. Um, yeah. New South Wales, the state New South Wales accounted for 10,000 of those 14,500 deferrals. What would you want people to do if they're in a, um, in a situation where they aren't going to be able to pay off their mortgage on time month to month? Like what should they be doing right now, do you think? Yeah. Well, the first thing to do is talk to your bank or your broker about what options are around. Um, if you're in a, if you're living in a property and you know you're you're out of you know, you're, you're not earning income because of the lockdowns, the, <clears throat> the last thing the banks want to do is have to sell your house, and right. that's probably the last thing you want to do. So there's a range of options from um, having a repayment holiday, you know, reverting to interest only, um, you know, reducing your payments. Um, yeah, there's, pl- there's plenty of options. So don't stress about it. Um, get on the front foot, have For a sure. chat to your lender or your broker. Um, if your broker hasn't made contact, um, yeah, make contact with them because uh, they've probably got quite a few clients who might be in that situation that they're, they're, they're working through. For sure. But, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't stress it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And um, something we'll, I'll add on to that. I, I just recorded an interview with Victoria Costa, our friend at um, Credit Fix Solutions. And yeah. something she mentioned about that uh, is that if, you're, if you've got late repayments due on like a credit card, um, so you're incurring extra interest and getting issues on your credit report because of missing payments. It's actually mm-hmm. better if, if you know you're not going to be able to pay off some of the debt that you're supposed to at the end of the month on a credit card, let them know and they'll help you through that rather than it affecting your credit file. Um, yeah. So that's that's another thing with the banking situation, right? Like if you have, yeah. if you let them know on that your mortgage, you might have struggle, you might like struggle right now that yeah. they, they'll hopefully be able to help you out so it doesn't affect your credit score, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So we, we, had some client, we had some clients who were just refinanced because they, they wanted some extra money for some renovations and wanted to get a better rate than the, the, what they're on now. And we approached their existing bank who, you know, due to their policies, weren't in a position to help. Um, they had missed a credit card payment and a mortgage repayment. And it was it was during COVID, but it wasn't related to loss of income. It was related to uh, juggling direct debits. So what they did is, as soon as they knew that they'd missed the payment, they made the payment. They rang the bank and explained the situation. So yeah, okay. banks like banks like it when you're proactive. Uh, you know they don't want you to stress. That's the last thing that they want, and they certainly don't want to sell your house. Um, for sure. So, you know, they'll do everything they can to keep you in a property because it's, you know, roof over your head for your family and yourself. So, 100%. yeah, just just be proactive um, or, you know, if you want to talk to anyone, give us a call and we'll help. Second thing we we're going to cover was addressing debt. I, I thought this was an interesting point from uh, an article I read that I thought we could expand on better. So in a hypothetical situation, just say you've got a high credit card debt. Just say you've got a little bit of money in the bank, but you've got 10 grand of credit card debt. What would your process be 
to eliminating that debt. And uh, again, I also wanted to bring up the rainy day fund. So we'll come to that afterwards too. But so how would you tackle a 10 grand credit card debt? What would your game plan be? Yeah, cool. So there's a couple of things you can do. The first thing is, is just think about why you're in the position in the first place. And one of the options is to just go through what we've talked about a few times, go through your existing credit card, your credit card statements and your bank statements to see where you're spending money to see where you can trim back. So if you can, if you can save, you know, 500 bucks a month, um, yeah, in two years or so, you'll have, you know, worked, worked up enough money to save the 10 grand to pay the credit card out. Um, another option is to you can get a you can get a balance transfer card. So if you've got ten grand of credit card debt and just say it's at a twenty percent interest rate, that's two grand a year in interest or forty bucks a week. Okay. What you can do you can go to another bank, and so long as you've got a decent you know reasonable credit history, they will give you a new credit card which will wipe out the ten grand debt and you cut up the old card and then you um, you get that interest free for six to 12 months. So, yeah, that'll at least save you two grand. But what I'd do if you did that is once you've got the new 10 grand of credit card debt interest free is make sure you don't use that card, that you just pay the debt off. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people think they can borrow them, borrow them, borrow their way out of trouble. Yeah. Um, that's not always a good thing. Uh, sure. One of the other options is a personal loan. Like if your credit card is ten is twenty uh, percent interest, you can normally get a um, personal loan around the nine to twelve percent. So you'll be saving yourself uh, money there. Um, yeah, I remember uh, one of our really good clients. Now, when we first met them a couple of years ago, had forty-two grand on their credit card. They were making sorry, they had twenty-four grand on their credit card. They were just making minimal repayment, minimum repayments, mm-hmm. and on the statement it said at that rate they'd paid out in forty-two and a half years. So that's the yeah. sort of yeah. yeah so yeah, okay. you, you don't want to be doing that. For if sure. you if you own if you own a property, another option is you know you can get. Uh, a loan secured against property for around 2%, which is a lot cheaper than paying 20% on your credit card. So for sure you can, but the, the starting point always has to be review why you got into that situation in the first place. So you can sort because, of reverse those things later on. Yeah. 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 And no, yeah. Um, no definition of insanity is um, doing the same thing and accept, uh, expecting a different result. For sure. So if you, um, if you can, um, yeah, think, okay, I've got 10 grand in debt. How did I get into this position? Okay, it was because I did. Yep. It might have been because you've been on a holiday prior to COVID. Well, you're not going to be doing that now. Yeah. Um, and so and you, something, you um, an additional thing to that that we could sort of add on is like um, some people think that the best way to tackle that sort of debt is to just pay it all out in one go if you have that in the bank. Um, yeah. But that might not be a great idea because... Um, I guess something to think about is the rainy day fund concept of like trying to figure out, okay, if just based on my expenses now, how mm-hmm. many, if, if I lost my job tomorrow, how many months or weeks could I live on what I've got saved? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so a good idea that I'm starting to sort of work towards is figuring out my three months worth of expenses of what mm-hmm. I need to pay for rent and all those things. 
So I've got that in my bank account at all times. So yeah. it's like yeah, a exactly. great glass in case of emergency funds. So if you yeah. don't have one of those, it's probably a smart idea to think about um, getting a rainy day fund built up in your bank of money that you have ready to go if something goes wrong, knock on wood, that it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, so yeah. There, and um, once that's a thing, maybe start addressing the debt and just slowly chip away at it. Because if you just, if you spend, if you've got 10 grand in the bank and you just pay off the debt, that means you've got nothing to keep you going. So if something goes wrong, you might end up just going back into debt with a personal loan because you've got no more money. Yeah, but yeah. If, if you've got if you've got 10 grand on your credit, credit card and you're paying 20% interest um, and you've got 10 grand in the bank earning 0.1% that you're paying tax on, you might reduce your rainy day fund to five grand and just pay five grand off the credit yeah, card. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You'll, you'll be in a better position because, yeah, your rainy day or even pay nine grand off the credit card and keep one grand in the rainy day fund because yeah, okay. if you do, if the if the shit does hit the fan, you can always use your then $1,000 credit card yes. as your rainy yeah. day fund. So, yeah, there's, sure. there's a couple of different options. But, look, the, the main thing is to have a look at why you got in that position in the first place and then, you know, committing to not do that in the future. And, look, we've all, we've all done that over the course of our lives. We've... You know, we we were refinancing credit cards all the time because we were living beyond our means. But you know, luckily we sort of got our got our act together later on. But um, yeah, yeah, okay. The the next yeah. thing we we're going to cover was this ME Bank study. So, um, a mm -hmm. survey of fifteen hundred households in June 21, uh, 2021 yep. was just to sort of figure out what what percentage of renters compared to mortgagees or mortgage uh, people that are paying off the bank. Are paying yep. and what portion of their income is going towards the loan repayments compared with renters on rental payments. 68% of renters that were surveyed reported rental stress um, and 42% mm -hmm. of mortgagees were reporting the same stress. And that's usually when you're paying more than 30% of your household income on repayments. Yep. And just some stats on that. Renters are spending 41% of their income on average, sort yep. of seeing the correlation that more people with a house that they owned that were paying off the loan were in a better financial situation as a result, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, as rents rise, more people will get into, into rental stress. Yeah. Um, at the moment with, you know, record low interest rates and reasonable property growth around the country, you know, people who own a house are probably in a, a in a better position. Yeah. And I, I think the, the thing is, you now we've all been there where we've been under rental stress because, yeah. um, you know, rents were going up and, in, you know, incomes, incomes haven't really moved in the last couple of years and they're probably unlikely to for the next couple of years because I think, yeah. um, which we've talked about before, a lot of people um, would be, you know, probably just more worried about keeping their job rather than asking for a pay rise. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, one, of, one of the things that's interesting that's come around, it's been in the news a bit lately because there was a, a court case about casual workers and the I think it was in the mining industry where um, the union was arguing that casual workers should be paid sick leave and um, annual leave and those sorts of things. And basically went all the way to the high court and the high court found, this is not exact, but my, my take on it was that basically uh, casual workers are already paid a loading to cover the fact that they don't get annual leave and sick leave. So I know when, when they say that, you know, when 
you know, casual when, when we do have lockdowns, casuals don't get don't get paid. One of the things for a casual worker to probably think about is that um, when they get their pay, already included is their leave and sick leave yeah. um, entitlements and to, to maybe try and put some of that away if you can. Yeah. Now, of course, it's easier said than done because a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. But, um, you know, the starting point for a lot of things, as we've talked about a bit, is reviewing where you spend your money now because, sure. um, you know, wages aren't going up, rents are going up. Yeah. Um, of course, of the you know, record lack of supply, and as Simon Presley's rightly pointed out, the stupidity of government decision making over the last ten years, and yeah. you know the the diabolical planning process we have, and you know it's just a mess. And, yeah, you know, and everyone's surprised that we can't get a vaccine rollout right when we when we cock yeah, up the property industry sure. so badly. And, and so, uh, for, for anybody that's sort of new to it, I guess. The, the, the consensus is that the, the rental market has become so tight in most of the country, it's really difficult to find a rental. And when you do find one, there's 30 people trying to get into it and it's really overpriced because of the demand. Um, yeah. Well, and, I think, I think it, yeah. that's certainly... In, that's that's certainly part of it some, for sure. That's certainly in some yeah. areas, but as, as we've found in inner city Melbourne... Um, there's plenty of rentals and the rents have dropped 150, you know, 100 to 150 a week from yep. three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, and obviously like Simon Presley says with it, that's another reason is there, because there's not enough housing, that's an issue. There's also such a huge delay in development applications and getting hmm. accepted to build anything. So if you are trying to build something, it's taking ages. So there's a long delay yeah. of that too. Yeah and, and if, yeah, and I can't remember the exact stat, but... There was something that came out from the Housing Industry Association that around 40% of the cost of a new property is tax. Yeah. Yeah, you know, whether it's GST, developer contributions, you know, stamp duties and all that sort of stuff. So for sure. Um, yeah, plenty that can be done there. Next thing we're gonna cover is just um breaking down like a, a real a technical jargon term that people like the biggest annoyance in financial stuff that I'm feeling is that there are so many acronyms. To, mm -hmm. to summarize different terms that it makes yep. a lot of people really confused off the bat and they just don't want to bother with it. So I thought we can start yep. with a few of those. So LMI yep. is lenders mortgage insurance. Can you just break yep. down what is it? Why do you pay it? And what ways can you avoid it? Yeah, cool. So lenders mortgage insurance came about apparently in the old days, like before I even bought, you know, we even bought our first house. Um, Generally, you needed a 20% deposit to buy property. Now, nearly everybody got that by, well, nearly everyone got that from their parents um, because, you know, if you were buying a house for, in those days, say 5,000 pounds, you didn't have 1,000 pounds just hanging around that your parents might have. So in order to um, encourage banks to lend to people that didn't have 20% deposit, the um, product called Lenders Mortgage Insurance was bought in, and it's basically an insurance policy that the, the borrower pays to cover the increased risk that the bank has, perceived risk or actual risk, from lending you money when you don't have a 20% deposit. Right. So, yeah, generally from 80 to 85% LMI or Lenders Mortgage Insurance isn't that much. It sort of tweaks up 
till you get to about 90% loan value ratio. But once you're borrowing more than 90%, it, be, it can become quite horrific. Yeah. Um, I was doing some numbers for a client this morning and on a $650,000 uh, purchase property for a first home buyer, um, they, they would have just under a 10% deposit and the mortgage insurance is over 20 grand. Mm. Which, is a, which is a lot of money. So there's a couple of ways around it. Um, one is to be in a profession like Medico or accounting or you know, those sorts of things because some banks will lend you up to 90 or 95% of the property value without uh, mortgage insurance. The other option is to um, use um, security or equity in your parents' or siblings' properties to, um, you know, for the bank to co-secure with your property so that the bank has, um, you know, a gr has greater security and, will, and th there'll be no lender's mortgage insurance. So there is, there is some ways around it. Um, for sure. Best, best talk to your broker or your bank about what options you've got. Um, one of the things is even though, say, for example, medical professionals generally get a, a mortgage insurance waiver across the banks. Um, the banks treat people differently or the, the banks don't offer a, you know, a blanket uh, waiver. So if you're a pharmacist, you can get a waiver with, say, one of the big four banks, but the other three won't. If you're a chiropractor, two will and two won't. If you're a physio, two will and two won't. So yeah, okay. that's why we always say, yeah, go to your bank because they love you if that's what you want to do. But probably always get your loan pre-approval from the bank um, stress tested by a broker. One, to see whether you're on the best rate. Secondly, to make sure you can get the money you need for the property you want. And third, to make sure you're getting any um, incentives and discounts and all that sort of stuff from the range of lenders that a broker has. Yeah, fair enough. That's just um, a shameless, shameless plug for brokers there. Yeah, for sure. The next thing we're going to cover real quick is uh, Westpac, uh, their chief economist slash astrologist, Bill Evans. He's predicting mm -hmm. a 22% rise in house prices in 2021, but he expects that price, that price rise to slow as regulation enters in 2022. Um, we've sort of talked about regulation before too, but it's an interesting take that, he expects this big price rise over the um, over this year, but next year it's going to be an affordability thing too, that it's going to get too expensive for a lot of people to get into the market. And as a uh -huh. result, the price rise might plateau and slow because there's not as much demand as what's been going on the last two years. I just sort of thought anything you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I, I, I find this stuff absolutely hilarious. Um, at the start of the pandemic, um, I'm pretty sure he economy, said the world was going to end at yeah, the start all, of the pandemic. All the, bank, all the bank economists said that price is going to drop 30%. It was Armageddon. Um, yeah, I was waiting for Aerosmith to re-release their song from that movie. And, yeah, it was all the sky was falling in. There was chicken littles everywhere. Um, but, you know, we've had growth this year. We're in August. We've had growth this year of, you know, 12 to 15%. Mm. And... Bill's predicting that price is going to rise 22%, which is basically yeah. another five or six percent. So yeah, yeah, what a, what 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 a interesting prediction. And it gets front page of the Fin Review and all that sort of stuff. But 
last, about a year ago, Simon Presley, who's a good friend of ours, said that there was going to be the biggest nationwide property boom in Australia's history. Yeah. And most places in Australia would go up 20% in the year, which they have. You don't see him in the Fin Review. Terry Ryder said the same thing. Um, I choose, I put more weight on what the property experts think rather than the economists because yeah. the economists look at rational um, variables, whereas a lot of property buying is about emotion. I think what what the um, Westpac guy is saying is on the money. You know, there is deteriorating affordability. There's, there's more lockdowns. Um, a lot of the people who have bought houses, so a lot of the people that were going to buy houses have bought houses. You know, there's a lot of a lot of talk about how hard it is for first home buyers, but in the last 12 months, more first home buyers have bought property than at any other time in Australia's history. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff is just clickbait. It's just not, it's just not right. It's not factual. So yeah, um, but I, I think yeah, you'd probably find that old song, What Goes Up Must Come Down. And in every, if you look, you know, John Linderman, who's been on your show, um, yeah, talks about what happened to property after the Spanish flu in the First World War, after mm. the you know during the Roaring Twenties, around the Depression, after World War Two, and yeah, after the 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 seventy stock market crash, um, the the eighties um, and nineties tech wrecks and the GFC and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, there's normally a boom in property prices. And then they level out. Sometimes they drop, and then generally they recover above what they were. So, right. yeah, I still think. Well, I read a stat the other day that they said over six hundred thousand expats had returned to Australia, which I thought was a lot higher than what I've, I always thought was about four hundred. Right. But if you've had all those guys buying property and all the first home buyers buying property, the investors sort of being a bit priced out or worried about rental vacancies so not really buying um mm. you know with with less demand and and probably more supply you know uh, prices will probably taper a bit they might even drop in some areas but for sure um yeah there's as we sort of know there's around fifteen thousand suburbs around the country and at any one time a lot of them are growing and you know if you if you want to grow your wealth um, through investment property, you know, those places are probably not where you live. So, yeah, for um, sure. We've covered it for a while that a lot of the regional bank branches have been closing up or changing their hours since COVID, uh, but have said that it's something that's just been a process they were already starting to look into. It just got sped uh -huh. up by COVID. Yeah. Me. So I was going to say uh, a few statistics. So Commonwealth Bank have closed 53 branches between March 2020 and March 21. Yep. Westpac closed 80 branches between 2020 and 2021. And NAB closed 72 branches between that same time period. So they've obviously yep. all, each of those branches that I've named have got more than 500 still remaining. So they're not shutting every, mm -hmm. every shop they have. Um, yeah. But I guess it's, um, just more a signal of how much, I guess, like Bob Dylan, right? The times they are changing and all that shit. Like yeah. branches yeah. are closing because nobody's going to them anymore or they're trying mm -hmm. to, they're, they're adjusting their hours to deal with some um, in-person visits and then going to just do online work for the rest of that employee's day. 
Um, yeah, just wondered your thoughts. It's, it's, I guess it's always it's always interesting that the that the these sorts of stories get the airplay they do. Like ten years ago, there was video stores. Now they're all shut because everyone's got Netflix. Um, yeah, you know, twenty years ago, everyone had a camera, and you you know you took you took photos, and then you you know you went and got them developed, and you looked at them, and some of them turned out, and some of them didn't. But you know, no one buys you know not many people buy cameras anymore because there's cameras in your phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's um, everyone used to send letters, but now everyone says email sends emails. But yeah, when when a yeah, I remember last year when NAB announced that they were going to shut their branches in a lot of areas from one o'clock onwards or one thirty onwards, because their staff yeah in the afternoon often would hang around and talk to no one. Mm. Um, yeah, it sort of gets yeah publicity, but I, I think it's just um, it's just the way things are going. You know, a lot of people do 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 banking online. They don't, well, in lockdown, you can't go, you probably can't go to the bank or you don't want to. Um, but, you know, you, a lot of people don't want to go into a bank branch because, you know, you've got to wear a mask, you've got to check in. If you can do stuff, you know, easier options, you'll do it. In a lot of regional areas, I remember we were heading out to see some clients at Dubbo and um, stopped at Denman and, you know, there was four lease signs on two of the banks, but mm. big signs from those banks out the front of the post office saying that you could do your banking at the post office so yeah um, yeah they've just sort of switched up their um there's still plenty of places you can do your banking it's just in a much more um uh cost saving like it's a more efficient way of doing it for them because they're a business like they're not a charity they're a business so exactly yeah yeah. and that's the thing so you know I, i suppose the thing is like you'll get the um the usual people on there who are saying, oh, you know, it's a travesty and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, um, you know, you, you know, banks are in the business of loaning money and making money. So yeah, um, if, they, sure. if they make silly decisions, it impacts their share price and dividends. For sure, and for the sure. Yes, and and the, the, stats aren't, the stats aren't super well known yet or been released that show like, not for every regional branch that's closed for good that hasn't meant that every employee in that group have lost their jobs they've had changes of jobs like they've gone to do something else that's more online focused yeah. for the bank and, so they haven't all also, been laid off there have been layoffs but it's not been yeah. all of and them all, all, for some of those people you know you might have been in the bank for 30 40 years if they say we're going to shut the branch do you want to move to a call center role or be in an online help desk role or do you want this nice little check and you know right off into the sunset for a lot of people it's you know happy days um it's jerry Maguire, show me the money you know so yeah um, that's that's the thing i think what what the last 18 months has taught a lot more people because the innovators have always been doing it is that when when something comes up the question you've got to ask yourself is where is the opportunity? Yep. So a lot of people focus on, wow, look at this problem, whereas other people, they're already on the way to solving the problem mm-hmm. or sitting back with their, um, you know, with their expert network thinking, yeah, how can we, how can we move this forward? Like you listen, you listen to the story of the guy from Amazon. Um, he didn't make, he spent, you know, 25, 30 years selling books online 
Um, and then once he got some smarter people than him in the business, they worked out that what his um, uh, what his USP was, you know, his unique selling proposition, or what 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 his solution was, was um, distributing goods via the web. Mm. So yeah, Amazon now do lots of stuff in lots of different industries. So yeah. sometimes you know, sometimes you've got to look at things that come your way and go, well, hmm, didn't see that coming. What are we going to do? Rather than sit around stewing about that it's happened and that you're unhappy about it. So um, yeah, it's interesting. All that stuff. I, I think there'll be a lot more bank branches closing. I just they're um they're a high cost model. A lot of people don't use them anymore. Um, yeah. There are other there are other other options. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, yeah. When we when we sign a loan client up with some um, banks, they want us to um, um, you know, take the client to be ID'd in branch. And most of the time, the branch is open from nine thirty to four. Like yeah, it's, it's not it's not a really efficient system, so you can't yeah, be too surprised. People, a lot of people do their banking at you know nine thirty at night while they're watching Criminal Minds, or on the weekend and the bank shut. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got a few more things to cover. We'll do we'll do one of or two of these pretty quick. Um, yeah. There's obviously a lot of uh, positive news around becoming an investor or buying an investment property in a regional area, and you're definitely going to make money and all that stuff. So I figured it was interesting to maybe highlight that it's making sure people realize that it is a good way to um, it is a good way to start a path to like being wealthier in the future, but it's hard and it's stressful and it's not going to be a really great. Um, experience all of the time um uh-huh. if you think about some of the people that rent a property in melbourne who may have thought that Mel- having a like the the idea of like i'm going to buy a place in melbourne it's going to rent well i'll be able to pay off the mortgage you know what could go wrong and then an, a pandemic has hit and yeah. a lot of people might have been trying to just keep it going with no tenant in there so you're paying a mortgage with no income to support it so it's coming out of your pocket whereas there's just a lot of stress involved i just wondered what your thoughts were of like other other things people should consider when getting into investing in a property yeah look i I suppose the thing is you is um you'll only have limited success if you try and save your way to wealth yeah because what you need you need yeah in order to be wealthy you need to invest in assets that grow in value over time. So <clears throat> I was listening to your um, chat with the guy from The Motley Fool, and, you know, if, if people want a 20-minute rundown of why it's important to invest, have a listen to that. Because, you know, what, what he was saying is that if you put away a certain amount of money each, you know, pay or, or month or whatever, mm-hmm. and just invest that in a share fund um, over 10 years, it's going to... Yeah, you'll get growth on growth and yep. you'll have more money than if you just put in the bank. For sure. Um, with with property, um, yeah, a lot of people buy where they live or buy in an area because the yield's good. Um, and that might be right, you know, but you know, in some of the places around around the country, the yields, you know, 15%, but there's, you know, that's on the rent, but there's not much capital growth. And one of my, um, I remember years ago, uh, this taxi driver that used to drop me at the airport and I asked him, um, was, there, was there much money in cabs? And he said, Dave, if, um, 
if there was money in cabs, Kerry Packer would own all of them. Mm. So yeah, you just got to be you got to be careful. Make sure you get you know the best advice. Um, if you're looking to buy an investment property, one of the things we like to do is is let you know about some of the people that can help you either with your property selection if you want to do it yourself, or can actually go and buy your property in a good area. Like recently, we've had a client buy through um, the propertyology team a cracking four-bedroom house in Queensland, mm. um, and it's it's you know it's a great it's a great buy from what from what I can see. Um, you know, we've had another buyer's agent buy a client uh, property in um, uh, south of Perth. Um, right. And other clients just bought a property in Wagga, and that looks like a really good buy. So, yeah, there's more, there's more to the property market than just the other five kilometres around where you live. But um, it's probably easy at the moment. There's a lot of people on Facebook and they're running webinars and all this sort of stuff, talking about you know how you can make great money out of property and all this sort of stuff. A lot of them weren't saying that a year ago, um, but there were some people who were saying that. You know, the Simon Presleys, the Goose McGraths, the John Lindemans, the Kate Hills, those sorts of people, they were talking about in the midst of the pandemic, there were still great places to buy property. Um, you know, the Rich Harveys and those guys, and they're the people you need to listen to, not the economist who who predicts who predicts when one team's winning 80-0 with a minute to go that that team's going to win. Like, it's just, you know, they're late to the party, and um, yeah, so look, in investing like most things takes commitment. And if you if you want to do it, do it. But if you don't want to do it, um, don't. Mm. Sound so, advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that, was pretty, that was pretty basic. But I suppose the thing very, is, like, yeah. you look, we'll all we'll all look back. Like we we have a laugh because one of our mates suggested about 22 years ago or 23 years ago at a coffee shop that we should pool our resources. There was about five of us and form a property trust and buy property. Now, we all just dismissed it. But if we'd have done that, um, who knows what would have happened, you know, because we would have had 20 years of property growth. But, sure. but that's the sort of thing you need to, as the Motley Fool guy said, you need to start and start early, yeah. um, put a little bit away each time and, um yeah. The way he I said it that I thought was great too was like what I'm trying to explain to some of my friends is like imagine in your mid-30s or 40s or earlier 40s, let's say, you've got a boss that you think's a douchebag and you could quit the job and be okay for a while. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to be in a job you hate. You could wait and do something, find something else that you love because you've got the money to support yourself like you don't have to worry about bills coming in because you can pay them and you can take some time off working for some shithead and do something yep. you really want to do because you've maybe invested for years and you've built up mm -hmm. a bit of a portfolio of stuff and your wealth is there like you don't have to worry about it that's sort of the thing for me is you don't have to worry about money anymore that's yeah. the goal um, yeah now it's it's all like you now putting you know if you, you know, if you if you get, and I'm just using an example, if you get a thousand dollars a week and you put 150 into some sort of investment, not the bank, but some sort of investment, um, you know, whether it's um, you know buying shares or you know put it in a, a managed fund or that sort of thing, yeah, you know, you're probably going to be uh, you know a lot better off down the track. Um, 100 percent. Rather than you know having 
And and it's also being smart smart about your money because you know we're we're seeing clients who you know might have you know say a fifteen grand debt on their credit card while they've got a hundred grand in a term deposit, and we'll just say look yeah if you've got fifteen grand at twenty percent that's um, I think about three grand a year in interest off the top of my head. Um, Whereas you've got a hundred grand in the term deposit, which you're lucky, you know, be, you'd be lucky to earn five hundred dollars on, which you pay tax. Yeah. So yeah, next time your term deposit comes up for renewal, maybe just wipe the credit card out, and you're going to be yeah. a couple of grand better off. Well, so I, it's yeah. about it's about you know playing the cards you dealt with um, rather than whinging about the cards you don't have. Yeah, maybe just trying to put in steps to figure out how to get the cards you don't have. Yeah, exactly. For exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and being, and being realistic about your objectives, you know, like a lot of people want to live in the house, in the suburb where they grew up, but it's just not realistic. So yeah. rather kill your than parents, kill your parents and take the house. Yeah. So rather than it's an option, but you know, so rather <laughs> than, but rather than complaining about it yeah. um, and saying, you know, the world's got to change for me, you've got to look and go, okay, well, what options do we have? And, you know, one of the options we've talked about is renting where you want to live, but buying somewhere else. You know, plenty of plenty. We've got plenty of clients who do that. You know, who might live in Sydney or or Melbourne or Newcastle or Brizzy, and they they but they don't buy a property where they live. So, um, like their investment property, because the the better bang for their buck elsewhere. Last thing we're going to cover: the media at the moment portrays a narrative that it's harder than ever for young people to get into the housing market and it's due to, you know, a lack of supply. It's due to some government issues. It's due to housing prices going, going up higher and at a quicker rate than wages have grown. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that gets thrown around might not prepare you or help you understand that it's a bit more nuanced. So I thought Mm -hmm. we could quickly go through a few stats that I got um, talking about this and then maybe just adding on a few of the caveats that mean it is harder for young people. I agree. I think that that's what it is. But I also think there's also other aspects to it that young people, it's about choices too. It's not just mm-hmm. about that. So over the last 30 years, the household debt to income ratio uh, has risen from around 70% in the early 1990s to 190% in 2018. Um, Mm -hmm. young people are the worst affected with the rate of home ownership in the 25 to 34 age group. It was 56% of all that age group in 1982 had a home and now it's Mm -hmm. only 34% as of 2011. So, um, it's a 10 year stat to keep that, uh, as what it is. So it's hard. There's less people owning a home in that age group, um, Mm -hmm. compared to 30 years ago, um, in the GFC, in Australia, the government deployed some incentives to employ skilled migrants. And because of superannuation changes they made, they needed people to stay in the workforce longer because there were going to be too many people on the pension for the government to afford. So they made these incentives for companies to hire older people or keep older people uh, longer in the force. And youth unemployment rose to 13.9% from 8.8% as a result. So the, the argument is that younger people are more affected when the government wants to emphasize bringing people from other countries in to come over. 
just those stats alone, I guess, uh, younger people aren't as likely to have a home now as they were 30 years ago. And so mm-hmm. some of that is probably going to be financially based. Some of that is going yeah. to be that young people may be aren't as good at saving their money or there's too many reasons for them not to save their money now. Wage growth yeah. hasn't been a thing. And again, it's COVID. You might not get a bunch of wage growth now. But I wanted to talk about some of the other factors that the media probably don't bring up, which is there's... When I was 20, I had the I was able to go to Canada to live on a visa. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was an option for you as a 20-year-old. So there's 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 been so many there's a difference in what opportunities were available for someone my uh, for someone at 24 um, mm-hmm. that weren't available to you when you were 20, 24. So I think we yeah, should look, talk like that needs to be talking about too. Yeah, look, there 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 is a lot more seems to be a lot more opportunity. I know when when we were in our early 20s, plenty of our friends went overseas and worked. Right. Um, but I think the thing is um, less people get married early. And I think in my generation, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of us got married in the 20s. And the thing was you got married and bought a house. Yeah. So I think that's got a bit to do with it as well. But I think when it comes to it, um, you've got to play that. You've got to look at where you are in your life and what you want to achieve. Now, some people who can't afford a house at the moment, it's because of decisions they've made. So they either spend too much money on crap, they've bought too many fancy cars, um, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got some clients and their monthly repayment on their car that they bought for 80 grand is more than the normal mortgage repayment. Now, that is a decision they have made and they can't blame anyone except themselves. Sure. So I think, I think people spend too much time complaining about an issue rather than working out what they're going to do to change it. Yeah. Now, sometimes it might mean that you've got to, leave your job to get paid more, um, cut down your expenses, um, do a budget, maybe tap your parents for equity in their property. Um, you know, maybe think, well, you know, I can't buy a place where I want to live, so I'll just live where I want and buy somewhere else. I think there's too much focus from people um, on what the problem is rather than what they can do about it. And I think that's probably that, you know, that's been around forever. Um, you know, I've got, I've got mates of mine who've never bought a property and they're in their mid fifties. Yeah. And yeah, they think I wish I'd bought when I was 20, but the reason they didn't was because it wasn't a priority to them then. Yeah. So an aspect of this is the choices we make. Like mm-hmm. I've got, I've got friends that own a house or two because they got into construction straight out of high school but are envious of me because I was able to travel, but I also Mm. was broke for most of the time I was, you know what I mean? Like, so it's the choices you make for sure. And that does make an impact on whether it's easy and uh, easy. I think, I think, I think a lot of people, yeah, we're also in the um, era of instant gratification. So people who last February might've been planning their trip away you know, to go explore the world, when the world was shut down, then thought, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to buy a house. 
you know, it wasn't an easy thing to transition to because you needed either more money or a better job or this sort of stuff. So then they complain about, oh, it's so hard on young people, blah, blah, blah. Mm. It's hard, but it's hard on older people as um, as well who were you know, in their 60s and still working and paying a mortgage. But um, well, that's because of, of their the choices, things. Dave. Fuck them. Fuck those. Yeah, no, no exactly. Yeah, and well, <laughs> it, it probably, but it, pro- it probably is their choices. Yeah, that's the thing. But they're not, all like everybody's got issues. Is sort yeah, of. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. You, you can either, you can either focus on the the problem you've got, or take stock of what your opportunities are. But if you know what they say, a negative person will find a, a problem for every solution. Yeah. So. You can either say, okay, this is my current position. If I keep doing the same thing, I'll probably end up in the same spot. Now, I'm not happy with the spot I'm in, so I'm going to make the change rather than expect everyone to change for me. Um, you know, there's first homeowner grants that were never around when we, you know, when people my age were buying. There's stamp duty exemptions. There's home builder allowances. You know, and they may make a return, I think, once you know, the current home um, building craze has gone down. You know, there's 5% deposit schemes for you know, 30,000 lucky people who get them. Mm. You know, there's a range of things. You know, there's 1% interest rates. Um, there's parental equity guarantee loans that weren't around when we were younger. You know, we've had record numbers of first-home buyers buy a property, and I just think <clears throat> the people complaining about their lot maybe need to go have a good look in the mirror first. Now, whether they're 25 or 55 or 85, you know, if, if you're in a bad financial spot, Sometimes it'll be because of things out of your control. You, know, you might be coming out of a relationship, might have got divorced. You know, you might have your business might have gone bankrupt, and those sorts of things. You know, I really feel sorry for those people. But if you've just spent too much money and haven't had your priorities in that area, yeah, a lot of the time, you know, you just need to change. Some your of that's on you. Some of that's on you. For some sure. of it. Some and of you've just got to not, try. Not, not all of not it. But like, yeah, the, but you know, um, if you. If you want to make, what did the famous prophet Michael Jackson said, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. So, um, yeah, but if yeah, people Beautiful. need help, they can, yeah, give us a shout and we'll um, yeah, help them or put them in the right direction. Yeah, beautiful. All right, we'll leave it there.